Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show Podcast. On this episode, we're going to hear from Blue Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea, as we are about three weeks out from the start of training camp, his first media availability since the CFL announced they're coming back. We'll also check in with Rick Zamperin in Hamilton to find out how people are feeling about the Ticats' chances and the potential of playing a home Grey Cup in December. That's coming up on the podcast. We're going to go to Hamilton and talk to our friend Rick Zamperin of CHML as the Ticats look to potentially play a Grey Cup in their own building in about six months' time. Rick, how much excitement is there in Hamilton for that prospect? There is lots of excitement, A, just to have football back. And when the CFL earlier this week finally announced their revised 14-game schedule, people were just ready to celebrate the fact that the CFL was back. And not only that, but the realization that the Grey Cup is, in fact, going to happen later on in December. So the city is buzzing. I'm sure it'll, that, that buzz will grow louder and louder as we draw nearer to December 12th. And Hamilton is one of those cities in the league where that is their pro team, right? That is the 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 main draw. It's a bit different than Regina because Toronto's so close, but still the Ticats are the show in town. So by the time we get to kickoff in August, what are we thinking in terms of uh, the number of people that will be able to go to a game at Tim Hortons Field? Well, that's the million-dollar question right now, and no one seems to know the answer to it because the provincial government here in Ontario has really been coy in terms of announcing any sort of uh, percentage uh, other than to say that, you know, the, the hope is that at some point there will be some fans in the stands, not only for Ticats football, but uh, Hamilton Bulldogs hockey, which is uh, the Ontario Hockey League, and, you know, other sporting events, be it McMaster University or otherwise. Um, we know that, you know, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, those uh, provincial governments have said, yeah, you know, there's, there's going to be fans in the stands, but we haven't had that commitment yet. Come Labor Day, which is Hamilton's first home game, you know, the thought is that Canada as a whole is going to have, you know, uh, the amount of, uh, of people with two doses of vaccine uh, that that number that uh, that target number is going to be hit. So I would think that the province is going to say, okay, Ticats uh, and and CFL, you can have whatever the number is, twenty five percent, thirty five percent, fifty percent capacity um, for that Labor Day Classic against Toronto. But you know we're, we're still a few months away from that, so time is definitely on the Ticats and uh, the CFL side in that regard. But as we um, have come to know during this pandemic, things can certainly change in a dime. So we have our fingers crossed, and hopefully there will be many fans in the stands on Labor Day. So the last time we saw the Ticats play a game, it was November 24th of 2019. It was against the Blue Bombers in Calgary, and that will be the first game of the 2021 season, August 5th. You mentioned Hamilton starting on the road at Winnipeg, at Saskatchewan, at Montreal. It is a tough opening test for the Ticats, who I, I think it's safe to say are the favorites in the East Division. Let's just start with that. What changes have been made on the team, and what what is the same about the team that almost won the Grey Cup almost two years ago? To tell you the truth, there hasn't really been a lot of change. You look at you know the, the, the coaching staff, basically everyone who was there in 2019 is back. Rolando Steinauer is still the head coach. Tommy Condell, offensive coordinator. Mark Washington still the D.C. Jeff Reinbold still heading up special teams. Um, in, in terms of personnel, not much has changed, really. You know, Dane Evans and Jeremiah Masoli, who's back from his 
um, uh, ACL injuries, you know, they're, they're going to battle it out for that number one quarterback position. Sean Thomas Erlington, a guy who did not play in the Grey Cup because he himself was battling a knee injury or rehabbing it at that time. He's now fully healthy and might be the feature back, or at least is pegged to be in that number one role. Uh, you know, Brandon Banks, the reigning most outstanding player who won it in 2019, he's back. They have some other, you know, receiving depth on defense. Uh, you know, those familiar names in terms of Simone Lawrence and Ted Laurent, certainly the two key pieces on that D. The, the big change, maybe the only real significant change on this team is that Delvin Bro is no longer a Tiger Cat. He announced his retirement in the offseason. Of course, one of the premier uh, cornerbacks in the Canadian Football League for the last handful of years. That might be the biggest difference, apart from all these players, and not just with Hamilton, but across the league, all these players aging one more year and not having another year of football under their belt. So the, the start of the season is going to be very interesting. Of, of course, throughout the, the course of this campaign, is going to be really interesting to see which guys are physically fit and can avoid that injury bug, because that might be a storyline in 2021. I've been asking this of uh, various guests over the course of the week. What do you expect the football to look like the first couple weeks of the season? I think it'll be good. You know, there's there's no preseason games. But, I mean, these guys have played this game for years. And, you know, I think once they get on the field, they'll have, you know, some practices before game number one. Yeah, there there might be some rustiness uh, with, with some players or some games. But I think as a whole... I think maybe fans will be a, a little blinded to the fact of, you know, what it's supposed to look like, at least out of the gate. I think they'll be certainly a little forgiving of these players and maybe the coaches in terms of some of the key decisions that they have to make as well, because they're certainly not used to making them at this point of the year. But at the end of the day, it, you know, football is football. These guys, as I said, have played the X's and O's games and can feel the momentum swings. So I think I think it'll be fine. Now, in terms of the start of the season, to, to start at Winnipeg, at Saskatchewan, at Montreal, do you think it's better or worse for a team that hasn't played in 18 months to have such a tough opening start? Well, you can look at it two ways, and I'll say this. I think this is one of the, and I know there's four games that have been lopped off, but I think this is one of the best schedules that the Ticats have ever had, and I'll explain that in a minute. But starting on the road, especially three straight games, I think that was almost a foregone conclusion because of the COVID factor and, and the Ticats would have wanted to delay that at least until Labor Day to make sure that they have fans, you know, in their home uh, stadium. But you can look at it one of two ways. Number one, you know, they'll be ultra focused because they're on the road. They know that you have two really tough back-to-back games in the Bombers and the Rough Riders right out of the gate. Um, you know, having that revenge or grunge match right at the, the you know, the, the first game of the season in that 2019 Grey Cup, you know, bitter taste in their mouth after losing that game to Winnipeg. I think being on the road, uh, they'll certainly treat it as a business-like kind of atmosphere, but I think that revenge factor will be in the back of their minds. But when you look at this schedule, you know, once Labor Day hits, from Labor Day to October 23rd, that's a span of seven games, which is exactly half of the season, the Ticats don't leave Ontario. They're either playing at home, they're in Toronto, or they're in Ottawa. Uh, so I think that key, you know, the three games are going to be, you know, coin flips, certainly the first two. I think that seven-game stretch is really going to make or break the Ticats season. I think the teams that they play there, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary's in there, another game against Montreal, the Blue Bombers, um, that's going to be the key stretch for this Ticats team. Well, and not only that, Rick, but they only leave Ontario once after the yeah. after the trip to Montreal, August 27th. They go to Edmonton, October 29th, and then they're at home. They go to Toronto, and they're at home again. So yeah. every t- they don't go to every- Calgary. They don't go to Vancouver. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty sweet schedule. And, I mean, every team has kind of a unique schedule quirk. Like, Winnipeg doesn't play Ottawa once, 
which yeah. is kind of weird. They play Edmonton three times. They play Hamilton once, everyone else twice. It's just a, a nature of what is going to be a unique season that there really is not a lot of room to to complain about a schedule because, hey, we have football. That should be good enough. Yeah, and you know anyone who's going to bring up the old asterisk thing, uh, you know, let's throw that out the window right now because every team is going to play 14 games. You know, knock on wood. Hopefully that happens. Uh, every team is going to you know be on the road and at home. Every team is going to have to battle you know some sense of COVID-19, either having fans or not in their stands. Uh, there could be some positive cases here and there. We don't know that, uh, but there's still going to be the playoff format. There's still going to be a championship game. So uh, this is going to be exciting. Hopefully it all pans out the way it should. What's the weather normally like second week of December in Hamilton? <laughs> it's not Regina, I'll say that. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know what? It, it, early December, mid-December is, is really not that bad in Hamilton. You can easily get 10 degrees, uh, or you can get, you know, minus 10 and a little bit of snow and a little bit of wind. So it, it, it's certainly not going to be February. You know, if this game was in February in Hamilton, then I would say, all right, there's a chance of, you know, minus 30 with the wind chill, which really would not be, A, enjoyable for the players and especially for the fans. So, Early mid-December, I think we'll be fine. You know, last time the Grey Cup was in Hamilton was way back in 1996 at Old Iverwind Stadium, and it was a snow globe, and it was awesome. So if we get a little bit of that, that would be tremendous. Yeah, just uh, before I let you go, what is your preference? To have a a nice weather game like when the Grey Cup was here in 2015 and the weather was fine, it was like 8 degrees, it was not snowing at all, or would you rather have something like a snow globe game? You know what? I wouldn't mind both. I know the perfect conditions, you know, there's no excuses, although I know if it's a snowy game, both teams are on the field, but I think you just get the best performance out of anyone. So I think for a championship game, I would like to have the most pristine conditions. But in saying that, when it is snowing and it is cold and it is windy and it is miserable, you know, that's football. So I, I, I wouldn't mind that at all either. Football, great cup. We'll take it in any weather in 2021. Absolutely, Rick. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this, and we'll check in uh, closer to the kickoff of August 5th. You got it. See you then. Winnipeg Blue Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea talked to the media today for the first time in a long time. And he went uh, about 20, 27 minutes. We got 16 clips for you. As we uh, have waited a long time to hear from Mike, you'll hear from Kyle Walters, by the way, on Monday. But here is the coach on a variety of topics. We'll start with the fact that they don't get to face his old pal Paul Lapolice and the Ottawa Red Blacks this season. Yeah, I, I think I was just in that euphoric state that we're, that we're playing, that we're getting going. And um, I don't look too far ahead in the schedule regardless. So I, I do know that we do not play Ottawa. But other than that, I haven't put much thought into it. I, I do recognize that in terms of being able to market that game, um, whether a game like that would have been in Ottawa or Winnipeg, it would have been a good marketing opportunity for for the teams and for the league. But other than that, it's, um, you know, if they rolled out a schedule and, and we had to play the same team for uh, every game, it, it, it would have been perfect. All right, so let's look back on the – Last 600 days or so, all the planning starts and stops, Mr. O'Shea? Yeah, I think for the, the coaching staff, uh, the playbooks have been ready three or four different times, uh, you know, for the last five, 600 days, whatever it's been. From my part, I think what's what's dragged on the, on the coaches is the scheduling. So I've sort of waited because I did a schedule, you know, a couple times over and it just gets revamped and revamped. So I finally handed them a, a training camp schedule, which we'll have to still – 
uh, change a little bit uh, based on the new CBA rules. But, you know, it, it did feel like we got ready a, a few different times. And then I, I hate to say it, but like, like most things, as soon as they say go, it's like uh, being a one-arm juggler, you know. So there's all these things that come up. And um, through through no one's fault, you, there's just some questions that have to be answered still on just little de- details. How do we do this? How do we do that? It'll get answered, and, and every team's in the same boat. So we'll just trudge along and, and um, get to work as best we can. Must be nice, though, having real dates now instead of just maybes something you can grasp a hold of and, and work towards. Uh, deadlines are always good. I think there are times in the, you know, in life in general, but in the last, uh, I don't know, like you said, 15 or so months with the CFL where without a pressing deadline, um, you know, you sort of uh, bounce around a little bit from one idea to the next without uh, maybe enough acute focus, but, it's there now. Let me tell you. It's uh, as soon as they um, announce the date, it's 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 good. But once again, we, we got a lot of stuff done in the in the with the previous uh, years with you know potential start dates. So we're we're ahead of the game in that regard. Just got to put the final touches on a on a training camp schedule. So does he see the possibility of joint training camps since there are no exhibition games? Yeah, I got no problem with that. We're I don't think it's been approved yet, but we're looking at a at a practice with uh, with Sask. So, um, you know, the planning we're still in planning stages, and it still has to be approved. But I do believe it'll be a a great opportunity for us to look at some uh, young guys and see them compete against someone they don't already know. I you know by the time you're a week into training camp, you should you know, you should know how to steal the other side script and know what's plays are coming and you should be able to read the quarterback and you should be able to um, be better at one-on-ones uh, a week into camp than you were in the first day because you should study your opponent and treat, you know, for each rep, treat the guy across from you like an opponent, even though he's your teammate. And then when the rep's over, your teammates again, obviously. So the idea of, of having a, a practice against another team certainly will should uh, ramp up the competition and we should get a better picture of who we have in camp. What are the pros and cons to not having any exhibition games this year? You want to evaluate your guys fairly, especially the new guys, obviously. I do think that, you know, going back to remembering when uh, I might have attended a training camp and your ability to study your own uh, players as opponents in drills. So within a week, you knew how to play everybody on your team. So it's nice to... Uh, go against uh, somebody else. But I also think that given what we've gone through in the last bunch of months or years, a year, it's probably more important to make sure your guys are in shape and ready to compete um, physically and, and mentally, you know, so we need that extra time in training camp for ourselves. And last clip before we go to a break on uh, the topic of camp scrimmages with, again, no preseason games. It's all about how to get in that prime game shape when you haven't played in so long. I don't know what, a, what the definition of scrimmage, what that means necessarily. To me, every time we run a drill where we're competing against each other, that's what that is. If we run 20 team plays at the end of practice or inside run, that's you're scrimmaging those plays. So, um, you know, I don't uh, – 
obviously there's parameters set forth with this uh, new amended CBA for this year, and we'll have to follow all those protocols. Uh, obviously, nobody wants to get together and practice and have full tackle where we're bringing guys to the ground. We all want to be smart and we want to protect our players. Um, but I imagine doing the same sort of practice plan that we would have and Sask would have and most teams around the league would have where you run uh, an inside run and a scale period and a team period with all 12 guys and you run some one-on-ones and you run some special teams. So it would be just like a regular practice just with the guys you're going against would be in a different color jersey. So all of it is scrimmaging. I guess I've never really looked up the term to see what it really means. But, you know, in our practices, when we run a team period at the end of the, when, it, you know, the practice culminates in a 10 or 15 or 20 play team period, that's to me scrimmaging, right? So we do it every day. Here he is now on a question about the support the Bombers get from outside of Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I'm always impressed by how people travel to games and the support we get. Um, it is different being out west than it is in Ontario. I, I haven't stopped saying that. The number of license plates you see, the number of people with bomber flags. And, and what I, I really enjoyed was a few years ago when they started that flag program and there was flags uh, printed up for all over Manitoba. You can get a flag. And I still like looking at the bottom of our website when the pictures scroll by and there's all sorts of people displaying proudly displaying their their bomber flag and where they're where they're representing what neighborhood they're representing what area they're representing so it is uh, a source of pride and it does, certainly doesn't go unnoticed by our players i have a flag in my kitchen that says river heights for the w i do not live in river heights i did when i got the flag knowing i would probably be moving downtown before long and i did but it says for the W on it, so that's the important part. I like looking at the streets that are part of it. It's, I, the, like a very good point. The program, the flag program, I thought was just a phenomenal marketing move by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who today also announced, by the way, new craft beer vendors at IG Field. So along with Molson Coors Products, Brazen Hall Brewing Company, and Trans Canada Brews will be available throughout the stadium alongside local food offerings at the homegrown stands. I really like the blueberry ale, which will be there on uh, on sale. So, Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your